All right, if everybody wants to grab a seat, it is great to see all of y'all. I love seeing people meet new friends. Uh, my name's Drew, I'm the pastor here um, at Hope, and uh, we're thrilled that you're here with us uh, here at the high school and the PAC. It was just a few days ago I was in this room but sitting watching the middle school choir and band concert, and it was pretty magical. So I'll have to invite all of you next time. It's pretty cool. It was really cool. And really like uh, like emotional to me that like I knew every Sunday we get to meet and worship Jesus here and then also in a room of people with all these school events or something really cool that we're in the in the space of the people we love and the people we're praying for and um we're glad that you're here with us today. Really glad. Um especially if you're uh new um just checking it out. We're glad you're here. Please uh please stay after we got treats coming and they're already here. Lots of bread. Every every uh, few weeks, Heights Bakery donates bread to us, which is great. Lots of bread and uh, hot dog buns this week. I saw a lot of hot dog buns. So if you're looking for free hot dog buns, maybe parties, Super Bowl parties, I don't know. Hopefully no one's like, a lot of you don't want them because there might be a fight in the hallway. So stay after, you might get to see a fight over hot dog buns. Um, we are glad you're, really glad you're here. Um, I had something happen, this was years ago for me, but around this time of year, um, See if I can get this to work. Uh oh, I'm not clicking. Here's click. Oh, there we go. Okay. I had something happen to me around this time of year, and it didn't actually have to do with Valentine's Day, but originally I thought it was a Valentine. Um, I got an envelope uh, on my desk, and I, at the time I was a youth pastor uh, in Fargo, uh, North Dakota, and I don't know if there's another Fargo, but Fargo, North Dakota, and I had got, gotten a, a letter, and it was um, just in an envelope. I don't remember if it was red or not, but it was around this time of year. Um, and I thought, oh, that's cool. And it, and it said, thanks on it. And I opened it up and there's a little card that said, thanks. And I had had a season, uh, well, just this time of year, maybe you can identify with this. Uh, it had been cold for a while and in Fargo, it had been cold a little bit longer than here. It felt like uh, dark and, ve- and very windy all the time. It felt like you're in your house all the time. I don't, I'm sure I'm just remembering this differently, but I think the snow was like this, this high. So it felt like you just walked in like tunnels to your car and to work. There's that just, you're just kind of done with cold and dark. And, um, and then it was just a busy season in ministry. And it felt like we had done a bunch of things and retreats. And uh, there's maybe just some extra things that had happened that uh, I was feeling tired and weary and, um, and, and honestly, just like I didn't know if I was doing what I was supposed to do or, or, or I didn't know if I was doing well. I thought, I don't know if I really have the skills for this or I just don't know if I'm really good at stuff. Um, I think something that was just being weary and cold and um, I knew I was good at shoveling. That was about the only thing I felt confident in. If you ever have those days where like mowing the lawn or like shoveling the driveway is the only thing that you felt like you like finished or accomplished. I was having one of those and I was talking to a coworker about this. Um, and he said, yeah, yeah, I've, he's like, this is the time of year, every year in February, I want to write a resignation letter, uh, which is like, I just want to be done. I just am done. And he's the one who actually dropped this off. It wasn't a Valentine. It was a note from a friend. And this is all the letter said. <clears throat> it said, I thank God for your love of Jesus and his people. I actually didn't see the little Ephesians. This was written in the corner, Ephesians 1, 15, which is the passage we're going to look at today. All I saw was these words and it like hit me uh, like a ton of bricks. It just, 
the weight of it in a very great way, like flooded over me. And I remember tearing up and I thought, I was sure this was going to be a note that said, thanks for hanging out with the kids or thanks for throwing a really good retreat or uh, thanks for all your time doing this or that or the hours you spend doing this. I was sure it was going to be related to like, just thanks for a thing that you're doing. Uh, this thing that you, these kind of skills you do or the work that you're doing. And, and that would have been encouraging. It's always encouraging to get that encouragement. But there was something about hearing someone say, I thank God, our creator for you, for just your love of Jesus. Not for this, for like a skill you have, just for this thing, this love that really isn't even necessarily anything you do. You just, I'm thankful that you just have faith in Christ and that out of that has come a love for his people around you. It really, really hit me. Um, it actually has been, for me, a thing that I have continued in my own life, knowing the weight of what it meant to be thanked. Uh, someone thanks God for me and thanks not necessarily because I, gave, I brought something to them. It wasn't like, thanks that you did these things for me, but it was just thanks that I'm just glad that you love Jesus, that you find life in him, and then out of that, you love people around you. It, it's an encouraging thing, and it's the words we're going to hear today in Ephesians 1.15. I'm hoping today we have an opportunity to maybe all be encouraged by that. And, and also remember, like, what does it look like to be people who continue to do this? So we're in the book of Ephesians. Um, and, oh gosh, it's so fun. It's a giant screen again. It's like, uh, if you haven't been with us before or for a while, for a while, we didn't have our mega screen. We used pretty big side ones. And I got kind of whiny about it a few weeks. And so I'm thankful to have this big guy back. If you live with me, you may have heard a few times about how <laughs> Drew didn't have his big screen anymore. I love it. I just love seeing the word all big. So we're in Ephesians. We're going to be uh, in Ephesians 1, starting verse 15. If you want to read in your Bible along with us, take notes. Otherwise, all the passages will be up here on the screen as we uh, follow along. I'm just going to read this passage. We spent three weeks before this in the first part of Ephesians 1, remembering uh, that we're okay in Jesus, that in Christ, in the work that he's done, we have these incredible blessings of being brought into the family of God, of God doing the work to make us his family, uh, of being blessed in that way and even having an inheritance to the future. That's just unheard of. And uh, these riches that were lavished on us that we don't deserve uh, and just kind of sat in that and, re and remembered the glory of God that, we were, that happened to build us up so we could bear the image of God. And then uh, it continues on. So it starts here. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith, in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you. Isn't that a great line. I've not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his, his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be heard over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Another great passage with a lot of things going on 
in it. So we're going to take some time just to walk through it. We're just going to kind of walk uh, verse by verse in this, uh, unpack some of it. What is, what is it saying? And also, what does that mean maybe for us? And then um, we're going to take some time at the end of our time here to just be reminded of uh, how good Jesus is. So we'll start right away. For this reason, for this reason, he's referring to the passage before, the long passage that we've been talking about for a few weeks. This, this work that God did, this glorious God who did this great work of bringing you to his family, choosing you, loving you uh, for his glory, for that reason, that, that now that you la- love Jesus and you put faith in him, since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in our prayers. This book um, we've been talking about is written by Paul and he's writing this to this church in Ephesus, to these people that he started a church with, uh, started lots of churches with in this area, people who he loves dearly, who he spent years with. And now he's moved away, he's far away and he's writing a letter back to them. And he's just remembering who they are. Have you had this with someone or just remembering or maybe you've even just heard of what's going on with them. I don't know if we get the full way to this because we live in a time where you can like know all about someone's life and not actually know them <laughs> or even see them. Or I've like seen someone I haven't seen in a year and they're like, hey, we heard all these things happen to you. And you're like, oh, weird. How do you know that? Uh, oh, because I say it online. Um, but he, he would have heard, right? Whether it was letters or people came to visit him. He had heard about this faith they had in Jesus that they said, I, yeah, I believe Jesus has done this work to rescue me, to make me family, to love me, to, to build me up so that I could represent Christ in this way and overflow his love in this way. Uh, and he's saying, I, I'm just so encouraged by that, that when I pray like all the time, I can't stop thanking God for you. What an incredible uh, gift. I hope that's something we can just kind of sit in for a moment, and just even be encouraged in that. Are you encouraged by the words uh, that, we thank God that you have faith in Christ. And there's a lot of things that we're thank, people are thankful for in us. Sometimes it's transactional. It's like, I'm thankful that you did something for me. I'm thankful you did do something to me uh, or that you're doing something that I asked you to do. But this is just, I'm thankful that you're in God's family, that you said yes to Jesus. And from that, you have just loved others in that. I'm also gonna give you a little plug for something that's coming up here. This is an interesting passage in the sense also that it says, I hear about your faith in Christ and your love for God's people. There's this great, these are kind of like connected. We often see this in scripture. Uh, we're called when they ask Jesus about what's the greatest commandment. He says, it's to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and, and love God's people. There's this connection between us, loving God, putting our faith in him, pursuing him and knowing him, and that actually overflowing. And you can't not love those around us. It changes who we are, and it changes how we interact with people around us. And I love in this passage, we see the same thing um, called out, that there's this, this balance here. I think sometimes in the church, we also see maybe people lean heavily in one of these ways, right? We might see uh, we really love God and his word and what he says and his commandments. And yes, we want to follow how God has created the world. Uh, but the way we maybe love people, we, we aren't thinking about quite as much. We're really careful. We're like, we don't want to we want to be careful how we interact or care for people or those around us or in our community. Or we might lean heavily, like I want to love people and care for people well, but I'm not so sure how much this matters in my life, what God says. And I think it, we're called to kind of both, this, this both of these. And there's a gentleman, a, a whole group of people who started an organization called the Ann Campaign. And, uh, and, and they are just trying to help us say like, how do we stay faithful to scripture and who God is and also faithful to 
caring well for our community. I say all that because uh, we're actually bringing Justin in. We've talked about Justin before. In March, he's uh, hope our church is hosting with Transform Minnesota, who's the organization that like we work with Arrive and other ministries that, that with them, New Life. Um, but we're hosting a, a night where we get to come and hear from Justin um, just about what the church and racial justice can look like. And he's someone I've appreciated in trying to help think through how do you balance this? How do you, yes, love God with all your heart and also love people around you and not feel like you have to sacrifice one for the other. Um, and so I say as a little plug and also just encouragement, here's a way to grow a little bit in that. Come with us on March 15th. We're heading down to our downtown location from seven to nine. So you can sign up for that on the app or the website, but it's a little advertisement in the middle. seems appropriate today to have an advertisement in the middle of a content. Not as funny as the Super Bowl commercial, but anyway, let's keep rolling here in our passage. As we continue, he says, I thank God for you. And then he says, I also keep asking the God of our Lord Jesus, the glorious father, that he may be with you in spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. So you say, thank God for your app, but you're not done. And we use this word sanctification in the church, that we've been saved, we've been rescued, we're in into God's family as we put faith in Christ and his work. But there's this work he continues to do in us until the day he comes back. And so he says, I thank God for you. And I also keep asking him, our glorious father, that may he may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And, how, and why? So that you can know him better. I'm thankful that you know him and I want to pray that you continue to get to know him and actually know him even better. And as he continues to share this prayer, it's like he's explaining his prayer and kind of praying his prayer to us. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. So he wants the eyes of our heart to be enlightened in order that we may know the hope. So we'd know the hope to which he has called us to the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. It feels like someone who's like just gushing, right? They're using the incomparably great power. Could just say great power. He's just so excited about this, so thrilled about how glorious and big and incredible our God is. We saw the same kind of language earlier in Ephesians. He says, I pray that your eyes of your heart, it's a weird phrase. I don't say that in my normal days. I don't hang out with someone, have coffee, and I say, hey, how are the eyes of your heart doing? <laughs> right? Like, what is that? I tried to find a, eyes of your heart. There aren't, there's some weird eyes of your heart, Google things. I had to make my own. Eyes of your heart. Like, there's not eyes in my heart. So what does this maybe mean for us? Well, the heart we know in scripture, when it says heart, that, that's referring to not your heart, like your, your actual heart inside your body. It's referring to this this foundational motivation, this core of who you are, what motivates you, what shapes you, which tells you who you are, what everything around you is, how you should move through things. It's the, the core foundation we are. It's often the thing if you're with a friend and you say, I don't know why I keep doing this. And they ask you a lot of the question, why? They say, well, why? why? I do it because I want people to like me. Okay, well, why do you want people to like you? Because I, I feel like people don't like me. Why does that matter? Because I really want to be loved. Why do you want to be loved? I don't know, I, just, I need to be loved. And then you get to that like core of like, oh, my a motivation for me is I need to be loved. And for us, we say the gospel then speaks to that and says, you're loved. God has loved you in this incredible way. And then that changes that heart of yours. And now that's like your motivation. I'm loved by God. So now I, I move differently outside of myself. I move differently around me. I also believe different things about who I am 
and who God is. And so it's saying, this passage isn't saying you have eyeballs on your heart, that in the first century, people had eyeballs in their heart. We don't have that anymore. Uh, and that we want those. It's saying, I want the way your hearts, your foundational, what you, how you see the world, your motivations, what those see, I want those to be enlightened. I want those to see clearly, like light shine on these things that are really true and really important and, and will change you. These things like a hope that you're called to, that there actually is a future for us and it's really good that we're not just doomed, that there's a future where God will come and, and make things right. That there's these riches of glorious inheritance for his people that you have been given access into God's family and he's given you the inheritance. It's not just, I, I saved you and then like, please stop doing dumb stuff, but he saved you and made you a, a son or a daughter with a family. That, that's an incredible inheritance that one day he'll come and make all things right and we'll get to be a family together and things will be good. I, those are incredible. He wants, he wants your foundational core, what you believe and what you, what you think about yourself to see clearly that there is that hope that there is this incredible inheritance and that there's this great power for those who believe, who've put their faith. So it says, I thank God in the beginning of this, that you've put your faith in Christ. And I pray that you continue to see this and grow and understand even more of this great hope and this glorious inheritance and this incomparably great power for us who believe. Now, what, what's up with this power? Well, he decides to explain this power. This is a this is a little shift in this prayer. It almost becomes uh, this week. I was talking to some friends about this. And they said this becomes like a preacher prayer, where all of a sudden he's praying for things and then he starts like preaching in the middle of it. I would never do that, but less experienced preachers, <laughs> I love I love doing that. All of a sudden he just gets worked up in it, and it's like he starts just telling us again how incredible Jesus is. This is how this first part of Ephesians works over and over. He explains these truths and he just says like, let's not forget how good Jesus is. He says that power, don't forget about that hope, that inheritance, that power though, is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. That power that you, that you have inherited, that Holy Spirit that's come, is the same one that raised Jesus from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. It's the same power that not just raised someone from the dead, but then brought him to the heavenly realm. So Jesus now sits on his throne. He's made a way for us to heaven with him. That's powerful. How powerful? Well, it's far above all rule and authority. Name an authority, name a government or a power or a dominion. It's more than that. Name another one, more than that. No, more than that. And, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. It's, it's greater than the powers now. It's greater than any name invoked. That, that phrase might be different. That's a phrase that would be used in like the worship of a God. And so for the Ephesians, that would be culturally for them, it'd be Artemis or Diana. These are two gods that are worshiped. They're really the same God. They're worshiped. Their name is invoked culturally. People would say in the name of Artemis, this will happen. In the name of Artemis, this won't happen. Or Artemis is going to bless me in this way. You're going to say that name and there's going to be some spiritual power for those people or, or what they believe. And he's saying, yet yeah, no, no uh, power, even Caesar doesn't come close to the power that this power has. Even that's God, you invoke that name, has nothing, nothing close. 
And then if there ever is one that's to come, you say, yeah, but what if there's a, something that comes that's more powerful than this power, than this Jesus? He just adds that on. And also anyone who's ever gonna come, there won't ever be someone that is more powerful than this. That's a hope, right? That's a future. Jesus isn't gonna change and there won't be something. We, we can live sometimes thinking like, well, this is good now, but what, what's it gonna be? What's coming? It's the same. Jesus is still on his throne. He's still good. He's still empowered. This passage reminds me of one that was one of the first passages I ever memorized. It was one of the first times I ever opened scripture. Someone had me read Romans 8 uh, when I first was um, just starting to put faith in Christ. And he said, hey, I want you just to read Romans 8 a bunch, try to memorize it. Um, and I never memorized it, but I read it a lot and I would meet with him. And it was one of the first times I read a passage by myself in a room and like was overwhelmed by it. Like I went, wow, this is true. This changes everything. My, my heart, the eyes of my heart were enlightened. It was like, almost like light shine on the page. And I was reading Romans 8, 10, 11. It says, if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the spirit gives life because of righteousness. I, I was really struggling with death. I, I had recently heard that I had a heart defect. This was early in my college career. And I heard I had a heart defect and I had these nights where I like panicked. It was the first time in my life that I realized I would die someday. I was like crossing that line where you're like, I don't know, 19 or 20. <laughs> and you're like, oh, I'm not invincible. Um, and then my doctor said, hey, your heart has a defect. Like it's not going to work as well. And uh, you know, you won't live as long as maybe you would have. <laughs> and I was like having these panicky nights, not sleeping. And so I read this and it says, hey, your body is subject to death, but because of the spirit, there's this power in you that's greater. In fact, it'll overcome death. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. I was told your body that's ultimately will just bring death. This spirit comes and brings life. It hit, it hit me. My, my heart was enlightened. It changed how I thought about myself. It made me like worship Jesus. It's one of the first times I remember like worshiping by myself. I had not, I remember people saying, oh, I had this really good time in the word yesterday and it just made me want to pray and thank God. And I thought, oh, cool. Never had that. <laughs> and I remember this, the reality of this coming alive for me. And this is what Paul's praying. He's saying, I thank God for you, but I also am praying that your heart would be enlightened. You know the hope, the inheritance, this power, the reality of this power of those who believe, a power that raised Jesus from the dead, that brings them to heaven, the same power that raises you to life and will bring you to heaven. And then he ends our Ephesians passage here. He says, and God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So he's just still gushing over Jesus, which he should. He says, God places everything under Jesus' feet. This is this phrase we see throughout all scripture where it says Jesus, things are under his feet. Like he has the authority over them, the power over them. He talks about this with God's enemies, with uh, even God's people's enemies. He says he uses them as a footstool. Uh, my friend says he often pictures this as uh, like Jesus is like reclined in a chair and his feet are up on enemies. On like the scariest most powerful things that you think are going to take over 
and, and rule over and take you out. And Jesus says, oh, I, I'm not even worried about this. I'm gonna relax, maybe have a nice tea. I'm gonna put my feet up on those things. They're not even like, I'm not even worried about these things. Those are under his feet. And it says he's appointed to the head over the church. This is a, this can be a, a strange term. Again, now we talk about eyes in your heart. That's not a thing. What is he talking about? Now he's saying Jesus is the head over everything for the church, which is his body. So again, he's using this language of our body. He's saying Jesus is the head of the body. And then the church, us, all these people, this inheritance, this, this body, this family uh, is his body. He's the head and the fullness of him fills everything in every way. So it's like, he's the head. He controls this body. This is his body. And uh, he uses this body to bring that love and care and, and more people into the family. Last week, I used this image. I'm loving this image this week, multiple times, at least for me, it's come up this idea. This is a statue in Brazil they're currently building. Uh, if you missed it last week, it's gonna be the tallest Jesus statue in the world. They're trying to outdo the one in Rio. And so their little competition is gonna make another giant Jesus. Um, it's like 140 feet high. It's incredible. Really just building it right now. It looks like this. I love the image. Of, of Jesus building his body, building his church. I think this passage is encouraging us in that. It's saying Jesus is the head, controls it. He's the one speaking for and seeing, and he's using us, his body. We're all different parts, right? We hear that in other parts of scripture, his hands and his arms, his feet, his appendix, right? We're all the parts and all of us together, he's using to care for the world, to take care of it, to, to discipline, to to love, and he's trying to continue to gather all of us into his body. Um, and so our passage today is encouraging us that Paul thanks them, thanks God for them. And he prays, he says, my prayer though, is that you continue to know Jesus, that your heart would be enlightened, that you would see the goodness of the hope and the inheritance and the power. And this power is the same power that, that raised Jesus from the dead that will one day make all things right. And that power is not just Jesus. The power is now in you and the spirit. He's gonna use you to bring these things of God to those around you. So he's, he's sort of in a way sh sharing again, I love that you have faith in Christ and that you love people and that love in people is you using that power of God in you. I love the way, um, I'm gonna read the passage one more time to us. I just want us to, to kind of settle into this prayer um, I'm going to read this from the message. This is a, a version of the Bible that's translated. It's paraphrased by Eugene Peterson. I love sometimes how he says things. So I just want you to take a second to hear this prayer as uh, a letter written to you from a good friend who loves you and encouragement. That's why when I heard of this solid trust you have in the master Jesus and your outpouring of love to all the followers of Jesus, I couldn't stop thanking God for you every time I prayed. I think of you and give thanks, but I do more than thank. I ask, ask the God of our master, Jesus Christ, the God of glory to make you intelligent and discerning and knowing him personally. Your eyes focused and clear so that you can see exactly what it is he is calling you to do. Grasp the immensity of the glorious way of life he has for his fathers. Oh, the utter extravagance of his work in us who trust him. Endless energy, boundless strength. All this energy issues from Christ. 
God raised him from the dead and set him on the throne in deep heaven in charge of running the universe, everything from galaxies to governments, no name and no power exempt from his rule. And not just for the time being, but forever. He's in charge of it all. Has the final word on everything. At the center of all this, Christ rules the church. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts, by which he fills everything with his presence. I've been encouraged by this prayer as a prayer not only to feel thanked, just for my faith in Christ, that like that's at the core of who I am and what really matters, but also just a prayer of what does it look like for me to continue to be enlightened, to have the eyes of my heart enlightened? What does it look like in my life? How, how, do, I, how do I continue moving so that I do know Jesus better? I want to know him better. I want to uh, love him more and I want to love others well and I want to love my family better and I want to together worship him more. And so this recently I, I was reading some history uh, and I was really encouraged by someone who's sharing how that happened for them in really hard times. So in the month of February, we like to highlight, uh, we do all the time, but we like to spe- especially highlight um, some black history. And so today I picked someone maybe you, um, you, you probably heard the name of, it's a popular person to pick of Rosa Parks. Well, when you think of Rosa Parks, you probably think of uh, a bus and her saying no to sitting um, in the back of the bus. And uh, you think of maybe the courage in that and the strength in that. She's someone who worked her whole life uh, in the civil rights movement. It wasn't just the bus thing. Um, and she's someone who actually had a great faith uh, and also wrote, actually wrote about her faith and what it looked like and even how she became someone who could uh, stand up to really hard things and, and constantly hard things. And actually things around her that were, uh, weren't even like illegal, but were hard. Like sometimes we can say, oh, that's really bad and good thing that's not allowed. But she had to stand up to things where people were like, oh, it's allowed. You can be hurt in that way or treated in that way. How do you like, how do you persevere in that? How do you continue to believe who God has you to, has you to be? How does, how does your heart, the foundation of who you are and your motive not change or not become bitter or angry or just, how you not just become a ball of rage? I want to hurt all those who are hurting you. Uh, in reading some of her story and a few uh, uh, books that she's written or they've uh, interviewed her for, there's a few things that stand out. And I think these are things that could encourage us. And what does it look like to people who are eyes of our heart become enlightened? It's nothing new actually. Uh, but encouraging to hear from her story. This is what it looked like for her even to grow up. It said, every day before supper and before he went to services on Sunday, my grandmother would read the Bible to me and my grandfather would pray. We even had devotions before going to pick cotton in the fields. Prayer and the Bible became a part of my everyday thoughts and belief. I learned to put my trust in God and to seek him as my strength. She even tells a story that when she first got married, she said she stopped reading her Bible. And her grandma asked her, hey, how's your Bible reading going? And she said, well, I'm not reading anymore. And she said, my grandma very firmly explained to me that I need to continue to read my Bible, <laughs> as only a grandma, I'm sure, could say in the sweetest of words. And she said, I, that day I started to read my Bible again, and it, and it changed everything again, uh, remembering who I was and who God was. She continues to go on. She says, the church was and is the foundation of our community, became our strength and our refuge 
in our haven, which is for many African-Americans, uh, their church was really not just the place they went on a Sunday to sing and to hear preaching. It was, it was their community. It was their family. It really functioned as their family. We would pray, sing, and meet in church. We would use scriptures, testimonies, and hymns to strengthen us against the hatred and violence going on around us. Do you hear the words she used there? They would sing. They'd, li- they'd, they'd sing. we do that. We'd pray. we do that. They'd meet together and hear the stories of what God's done, the songs, open the scriptures, and what that, it strengthened them so they could withstand that around them. The things around them didn't determine who they were, but their worship did. And this is the one I just love this. Uh, one thing we used to keep that keep us going was the moving words of certain hymns, many of which had been passed down from the slave days. They gave us a sense of togetherness with our people. Singing gave us the feeling that with God's help, we could overcome whatever we're facing. One of my favorite hymns is Woke Up This Morning With My Mind Stayed On Jesus. I didn't know that hymn. I looked it up this week. Good hymn. Great title of the hymn. Uh, we would sing Woke Up This Morning With My Mind On Freedom. Another is I Am Bound For The Promised Land. It might be a little more familiar. That was, has been a very popular hymn for a very long time. Do you hear what she's saying here? She's saying together though, there's something about being together and there is something about singing these hymns, which what are the hymns? The hymns were just singing the stories of scripture. We're singing who God is and who we are, what he has done. We're crying out to him in our pain. We need you. You're good. You've rescued us. You love us. The words we sing every week aren't, aren't just fun words. They're not just because we enjoy singing. It, it, it's doing something to us. It's not even just a personal individual thing that when we come on Sunday morning and you come and sit in a seat and you sing, it's, it's not just you. It's different than if you were just by yourself in your car singing, right? Maybe a few of you are like, yeah, there's more people. I would rather just be in my car <laughs> singing. We're literally together. You're singing to your friend, to your sister and brother next to you. You're saying the truth of scripture that that week they might really need to hear that so that their heart would be enlightened. They might really need to know that Christ is true and isn't changing, is, is stable. And so not only are we singing together, we're not just telling a screen up on a stage, Jesus is good. We're telling each other and we're telling each other just by being in the room together that you were in this together. It's very real. I, I can imagine her singing. She goes on to explain, it, it was as if we were singing with all of our ancestors, which I, I love that image, as if we're singing of all the church together, these truths that remind us, enlighten our hearts, sing, help us remember the hope. This reminded me of, I was in Cincinnati a couple of years ago. Uh, and they have the Freedom Center there. It's a civil rights museum. It's really cool. And I had no clue the history that Cincinnati had um, uh, in emancipation and, and, and during slavery. And then right after it, it has this great history. Cincinnati was one of the, the fir, it was the line uh, between slave and free states. So there's actually a river there in Cincinnati. And uh, the stories are that at night, um, uh, slaves would, would sneak to the shore through a series of, in the Underground Railroad, and they would get them across the river on boats in night, at the night. Like, so it'd just be pitch black. And they said, all you could hear was water swishing. And often you would hear the hymn, I'm bound for promised land. It's, it's, it's 
known. And there was a community built on the shore in Cincinnati uh, that they called Little Africa that was actually like a community that was built to help bring slaves and then get them free and get them jobs and homes. And um, Cincinnati was like the, the first, the entrance in to the land. And so people would at night in their homes could hear people singing this song as they literally swam or, or floated to their freedom. Can you imagine that? I mean, they would say, on Jordan's stormy banks I stand and cast a wishful eye, the Canaan's fair and happy land where my possessions lie. They'd be singing that, those words as they stood on a shore looking uh, across a, a river to their freedom. I am bound for the promised land. I'm bound for the promised land. Oh, who will come and go with me? I'm bound for the promised land. Over all those wide extended plains shines one eternal day where God the Son forever reigns and scatters right away. I mean, so, so Rosa sang, we would sing those words on a Sunday morning. We'd sing those words remembering that all of God's people are, are truly set free, not just free from a slavery to, to Cincinnati, but to the, the ultimate Cincinnati, right? The greater Cincinnati of freedom in Christ. I don't think anyone's ever, no one's probably ever preached the greater Cincinnati <laughs> referring to heaven. It's the first. Um, and so today we're going to do that. Today we're going to sing, and, and we're not just singing, you're not just singing by yourself and you happen to be in a room with people. We're not just hearing the word by ourselves. We're, we're in this together. And today as Rosa and her family and her church, and as uh, the generation before her, as they cross the river, uh, as a generation before that, around the world, sing these words, we sing them together. And our, our prayers that our hearts would be enlightened as we open scripture, as we pray together. Those are the things that remind us of who God is. So I'm gonna invite our worship team up. Uh, we're gonna sing. Today, we, we took a little extra time so that we could sing a little more. Um, so we can really get some time to just pray if, if you just need some time to pray. Maybe you just need some time to open the word and just read who God is and, and what he has for you. Maybe you just need time to just sing with your brothers and sisters so your heart would be enlightened so you'd remember the hope that we have. Um, as they get ready, friends, I just want to remind you that truly I thank God for your love of Jesus and for your people. It is a joy to be a part of a church where I uh, consistently every week I'm encouraged by your great love for Jesus and his people. Um, I pray we continue to do that and encourage one another in that. A few things to consider as we take time to reflect here and sing. Um, just consider how is your heart encouraged? We're probably always looking for ways for our heart to be encouraging. If we're unaware of it throughout our day or like I just need my heart <laughs> to be encouraged. Uh, what do we go to for that? And if Jesus isn't, the answer to that, maybe, what would that look like? Where do you get your power? What or who helps you know Jesus more? Consider maybe that's something to think about changing or, or adjusting in your life. Maybe just encouraging those people that they're those people. I don't always know I'm that person. Um, so it's good to know who those people are. And, and then considering as always, who are the people uh, who's coming with us to the promised land? Who needs to know about this great news? Um, we're gonna take some time to reflect and we're gonna sing some songs. We're gonna, uh, there's communion out in the hallway. If you'd like to take communion, if you're a follower of Jesus, we take communion as just a symbol to remember his death and resurrection. 
that he died for us. He did that work so we would not have to die, that we could have life. And him, there's also people available in the back of the room that will pray for you. If you just need another person, just pray over you. Even if you don't know what you need prayer for, even if you can't say what it is, or you can't get it out, just they want to pray for you. And so uh, please take advantage of that too. Let me pray for us and we're going to just worship together for a while here. Lord, thank you that you're good to us in such a glorious way, that you have called us your own. I pray those who have not said yes to you that say, I don't, I don't know that today could be the day that you'd say, they'd say, yes, I, 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 I want to love this Jesus. I want to follow this Jesus. That, that you'd bring life into them. That the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead would bring life into them and to all of us. I pray as we sing now that these words would land on us, that they'd wash over us, they would enlighten our hearts. We thank you that we even get this opportunity. I pray this in your good, good name. Amen.